and I worried about my abilities as a lover. And I was intimidated by other men in her design department and became convinced she was going to leave me for one of them. And she left me for one of them. The dreaded Marco. Charlie! You fucking bitch! Let's work it out! Just open the fucking door! Charlie! Look! Let's talk it! Life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 78, High Fidelity. Listener request number... Three? Four? Four, Ooh. I believe. We're flying through them. <laughs> Getting right through them. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think with this one, um, this is probably a movie we would have done... Anyway. Anyway. And uh, Matt, do you want to tell us who submitted this listener request? Uh, Lindsay. Female listener. Lindsay. Uh, yes, it's true. We do have female listeners. Far and few between. Reluctant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I, as far as like a State of the Union, you know, we're continuing to do these. Uh, the last episode, Royal Tenenbaums, was not a listener request, but... Not well received by the listeners either. <laughs> I think people are just like, a, you know, burned out Yeah, on the greatest moments right now. They think we've said it all at this point. They don't <laughs> think we have anything left to say. <laughs> and they're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to continue to do these and mix in our own... Um, I think we're going to do one more listener request for 2017. All right, that's pretty good. And pick them back up after the new year. But we're getting right through the list, and I mean, I feel like it could have been a disaster and it hasn't been yet. Debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As always, you can follow our podcast on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Uh, feel free to continue to tweet uh, what you think we would uh, find interesting movies, I guess, with The Rock. <laughs> or anything else. Yeah. Uh, we could definitely, like, whenever I tweet like about a new episode, we could definitely use the retweets. Oh, yeah. Try sure. to expose us to a larger audience. <laughs> I mean, I know not the all of our... The chances are everyone that follows the show has more followers than the oh, podcast definitely. account. Definitely. I know that not all of our listeners have the same amount of followers as, say, like an Eli Roth. Right. But, you know, it's still helpful. Yeah. And, you know, as always, continue to subscribe on iTunes. And if you haven't yet, please do. And uh, if you know people that listen, you know, little ass clown communities developing out there, make sure everyone's subscribed and keeping up to date. You know, we tried. We flirted with the idea of always having like a regular release date, but... It doesn't seem like that's ever really going to be a thing. So you always got to stay on top of our feed. You never know when new stuff's going to drop. Yeah, and having a 
same day release date every week. I feel like it's overrated. I think the impact is minimal. Well, all the podcasts that do are way more popular than ours, but... So are all the ones that don't. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think like once a month podcasts or once every three month podcasts are more popular than ours, but... I like how I see like uh, advertisements that's like, here's a way to make money on your podcast if you get like 2,000 listens an episode. And it's like, who are these people that like aren't celebrities and can garner that sort of following i don't know yeah i either, don't know you either gotta be like true crime or some sort of like self-help bullshit <laughs> yeah unfortunately not that many people interested in two jabronis talking about <laughs> two random <douchebags>. movies <laughs> just random movies that not that many people cared about even right. when they were released let alone you know 20 years later or whatever (laughs) 60 years later in some cases (laughs) it's like what are our qualifications did we go to film school no (laughs) do we work in the business no are we particularly interesting or funny no No. (laughs) so yeah i mean (laughs) thanks for listening though we're checking a lot of the boxes of what makes a successful podcast although i will say All those boxes also checked by several podcasts I've listened to. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. Should we get into it? Yeah, I guess so. Do we want to dance around it a little bit more? Feel it out? (laughs) um, I feel like you should maybe speak to the fact that the main character from this movie was a... Fairly big influence on your life at a certain point. I mean, I don't know if I would say at a certain point. I would say... (laughs) Perpetually. I mean, I read this book uh, towards the end of high school. I probably saw the movie first, although it gets harder to remember, you know, the more years that go by. I don't really remember exactly, but... What year did this come out? This came out in 2000. Okay, wow. So I'm assuming I saw the movie first and then read the book later. Uh, the novel written by Nick Hornby. He also wrote like About a Boy. Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch. Um, a few other things. Now he's kind of he moved into the Brooklyn. script world. He wrote the script for the film Brooklyn. Oh, and that movie A Long Way Down, which I think was his book as well. Yeah. With Imogen Poots in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, so... I kind of got into his books uh, after seeing this movie, and, you know, for a while, my life was just like a series of top five lists. I feel like when I friends. first met you, you were still kind of pushing the uh, top five list. Yeah, I, for me, there's like a specific line in this film and in the book about like, you know, the things that you like, def- you know, defining you. Yeah. Like the movies and music and books and stuff. That being your personality, that being oh, yeah. at least like a big indicator. And I still kind of subscribe to that theory. Even if the film and the book itself try to push against that in the end, uh, I still kind <laughs> of just ignore that. And I'm like, yeah, what they're saying is true. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, lessons trying to maybe warn against the dangers of that <laughs> and how isolating it can be. Now, I will say, uh, without jumping too far ahead in the movie, just... One of the ideas that, you know, makes me think of you and then maybe me to a lesser extent is uh, him owning this record store and having these couple of dudes that work there with him. And the fact that they just kind of love music, but openly mock their customers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Rob, the main character played by John Cusack, he owns and operates a uh, record store called Championship Vinyl. Not a great name. Really? No, I like it. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Up for debate then. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> championship. And um, is it championship vinyl or championship records? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either I think, way, I think it's vinyl because later on when he starts his own record label, it's called Top Five Records. That's right. But anyway, he owns and operates this record store, and he has two employees named Dick and Barry. Oh yeah, played by some guy and Jack Black. Right, <laughs> I don't Jack know. Black in maybe his funniest role for me. This was like peak Jack Black. Yeah, after this movie, it was like let's get him into Shallow Hal. Let's get him into 
um, Orange County. Uh, Tenacious D was taking off. Like this was like, oh, this guy is going to be like a major player. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, Jack Black still has a pretty successful career today, I guess. But he would like, pro- he's he- probably like way richer than you would maybe imagine at first thought. Because I remember hearing him on the Stern show talking about like getting paid like a million dollars or something to be in like shallow hell. And I mean, you just think about all the shit that he's been in since then. <laughs> I mean, how much do you think he got paid to be in like King Kong? Probably that was probably I. I would maybe guess and say that was like his biggest his biggest payday movie payday yeah. but i don't know but yeah i mean it, it's funny like i i think this is maybe even more common with like comedic actors but probably just actors and actresses in general there's like an approval rating yeah and it's like there's a time period where like somebody can do no wrong and everybody loves them and then it quickly turns <laughs> with everyone michael sarah disease I, yeah, yeah well i would say jack black predates the michael Cera. right i mean yeah. and then obviously like like you know like a vince vaughn it was like everybody loves vince vaughn yeah like across the board and then all of a sudden something happens and it's like he can't buy a hit movie at right. this point and it's just like i don't know what it is that makes it happen i mean will ferrell is the same way i mean will ferrell universally loved for like a decade and then now it's like nobody even gives a shit when well, he has like will a, smith well, yeah, Will Smith. With movie stars, sometimes it happens. It takes longer. I think it, with comedic actors, it's a shorter shelf life because yep. it just takes like one unfunny movie and then people start going, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that movie, you have like Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis in that movie, The Campaign or whatever that was called. Oh, right. And it was just t- so terrible. Well, even Jim Carrey is probably an example, too. Yeah. I mean, well, at one he, point, he kind of movies were huge. He kind of did it. In his own way, which is kind of the better way to do it, which is just to refuse to do comedies at a certain point and yeah. only try to be serious. And granted, the people still kind of turn on you, but it feels less of a failure right. for some reason. Like It's <laughs> like, well, he decided to be a serious actor and it maybe it was mixed results or whatever, but it's different than like continuously releasing like a really terrible comedy every other year or oh, every yeah. year. And it's just like, Oh God. And that unfortunately, you know, Jack black, I think Jack black is like a, a super likable guy in interviews and stuff where he's just like kind of being himself. He seems like pretty cool. I think I started to like him a lot more, uh, after we watched some of that reunion with the school of rock, kids See, when they were yeah doing the- i agree but i feel like i always knew yeah I that mean, that was like how he you was. had the insight <laughs> he just always seemed like a pretty cool down-to-earth guy and so like this post high fidelity time period was great for him and i definitely was all in and i remember seeing orange county in the theater and thinking like is this a comedy what do you think like <laughs> gwyneth paltrow was thinking when she was like acting opposite of him in shallow hell. Well, I'm sure she was just like, wow, he's like a really nice guy. No, I that know. I would but... never fuck. <laughs> <laughs> shallow hell. That's a movie that like I saw in the theater and like loved it at the time. Now, I don't really feel like if I watched it now, I would probably not like it. Isn't but... Jason Alexander in it? Too? Yeah. Yeah. And he has a tail at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, that was just kind of comedic worlds colliding because that was um what are those dudes that the did? fairly brothers yeah the fairly brothers and they kind of like had a lot of success coming off of like there's something about mary and me myself and irene <laughs> yeah with jim carrey <laughs> see all these worlds yeah. colliding right <laughs> and so yeah you have um uh jack black working with them on shallow hal and then i don't know i think shall i think with jack black he's managed to have like a hit every now and then to just enough to keep a career keep going. going like yeah. tropic thunder yeah which you could argue he wasn't really the an important part of the film it could have probably been played by somebody else but he was in it and yeah. it was successful and so there you go i mean was um, there a, uh, speaking of that movie i just like i know that movie did good and, and there's some funny parts in it but like the whole thing with tom cruise dancing around i mean that was just not funny at all right i think he's making fun of harvey weinstein that's i remember you telling me that that he was supposed to i I couldn't remember if it was bob or harvey but i remember you saying that that's what's yeah now it has like an added right layer to it i guess but 
Yeah, I don't know. I think people were just kind of like, wow, this is weird for Tom Cruise to be doing this. And so people kind of like liked it, I guess. Plus, like, Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. Oh, yeah. People just it's loved it. so ridiculous. He was nominated for an Academy Award for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he lost to uh, Heath Ledger for oh, The Dark yeah. Knight. Um, anyway, uh, High Fidelity. Yeah. <laughs> That's a movie that we're going to talk about. <laughs> A guy obsessed with collecting records, which is also something that I did for a while and had an unwieldy amount. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just an insane amount of vinyl records, which I had to... Eventually sell off. Yeah, it was like... that. Talk about like an anchor around your neck was like, you know, thousands of records. Well, I feel like you were into it uh, before the craze really took off. And then as it was taking off, you were just getting more overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I was trying that was to keep coming up. out. Yeah, I was trying to keep up with it, and eventually I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> At least with Blu-rays, there isn't like that many like right. super limited things that like you have to get online for and pre-order. And, and like Criterion does some releases every month, but there's months that go by where you're not even interested in like one of them. Or if I yeah, but if I couldn't afford them the day it came out, I could just wait. Whereas like oh, with yeah. the vinyl, it was like you had to be right on it. Yeah, and there was a, I always put a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself when it comes to those kind of things. Yep. Needing to get everything. But now when you were collecting and this relates to the movie, I guess a little bit. <laughs> well, the book came out in the early 90s, we should say, when record oh, collecting yeah. was dead basically, right? Yeah, I mean, these these guys, these characters from the book holding on to the world. They had the world to themselves, which was a probably a great time yeah. if you were into it, but there Although, was zero prestige or coolness associated and again, with it. <laughs> this is one of the things that always comes up as like one of our main questions because I think like we look at people in movies uh, basically having like nothing jobs but are able to have like pretty decent apartments in big cities. <laughs> and you're like, how much money is... I mean, this is a big storefront too. He's got a lot of space in there. It can't be cheap, the lease, or... I, I, I mean, it's hard to believe that he owns the building, but... I think, like, he's barely scraping by in the book, and then he also does, like, a lot of mail-order things. Yeah. Maybe by the year 2000, when the film came out, the, you know, unspoken subtext is that he's selling stuff on eBay, too. Right. Because that's, like... I mean, when you see record stores now, that has to be, like, a huge part of their sales. Yeah, I think a lot of them have have moved into that world because it's an easier way to reach collectors, you know, all over the world rather than just in your localized area. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you I guess if you build a, a good enough reputation, you'd have people coming from out of town a lot and stuff too, well, making that's trips. True, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it is I, I'm more concerned with Dick and Barry. It's like how do they, you know, well, it is funny with them when... How would they afford anything? I don't know. Because he basically said that he was hiring them to work like one day a week, and then they just started showing up. I think three days oh, each. okay. And then they just both show up every day. But then, like, I like <laughs> when you find out that he kind of, like, goes to the club with them as well. Because <laughs> at the one point, the bald guy's like, oh, yeah, guys, I can't go to the club tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they mean, like, a... A music club where somebody's playing live, yeah, not like I understand. a dance club. Right. I know, but still, I'm more like the idea that Rob continues to hang out with them afterwards. <laughs> he's like constantly annoyed by them, but he's also, they're also like the only people he can relate to and talk to. Yeah, I mean, it is, in a weird way, it's like Rob is like kind of the king of the nerds. Like he kind of is a little bit above them, but he's still basically a part of them. But he's got this massive record collection, and at one point you find out he's reorganized them in autobiographical order, which is just <laughs> insane and so like just self-indulgent. But I, that made me think, like when you had so many records, were you? Did you ever try to organize them? They were alphabetical. You kept lot. them alphabetical the whole time. Not the whole time, uh. but yeah, various points. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Took a lot. Just of for, I mean, I in my limited record collection, I usually keep them alphabetical. But I just you had like so many. Do you know what the final count was no. at its peak? No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It was, and I wouldn't care to admit it on this show anyway. <laughs> Let's just say that when I sold a fair amount of them on eBay, there was some tax, tax issues. issues that arose from that, <laughs> which is, you know, kind of hard to do right. when it comes to eBay. You have to make a lot on there. Yeah, well, I guess the movie kind of kicks off with uh, Rob's girlfriend, Laura, breaking up with him and kind of this setting forth the chain of events that causes Rob to take a state of the union of his own life, reevaluate past breakups that he's had, and then eventually contact these past breakups to see what went wrong. Oh, yeah. Something that um, works in the sense of like a movie or a song, but seems kind of unrealistic to actually want to do that in real life. Kind of, although... For people who just can't let things go. Well, I mean, yeah, that kind of is me, but <laughs> there's a certain point where yeah, you... Right. I mean, I, I keep things going way too long, back and forth a lot of the time. Now, Rob seems pretty crazy, but he also seems like he's got the crazy contained to his world. Although, when it kind of goes on and you find out that he's been like calling the place that she's staying and like standing outside (laughs) well who hasn't done that well yeah (laughs) so yeah i mean because of rob's like obsession with top five lists uh when laura first you know is moving out and then it causes rob to have one of his talk to the camera breaking the fourth wall moments and he kind of goes through his top five breakups basically just to point out like hey Laura, you're not even in the top five. Although, of course, we find out later that she would be. Right. He just included a random breakup just to make sure she wouldn't be in his <laughs> top five. Um, we get his first ever girlfriend, who was a girl that he made out with for two hours, three days after school. <laughs> yes, which somehow in like makes seventh grade top or five like. breakups. Well, your first one. Yeah. And she just started making out with that dude who in the first sequence, had been with Rob. So it was, yeah. was seemingly was one of Rob's friends. That is a kick in the nuts, for sure. Even in seventh grade. Oh, yeah. The hard part Some about would say that, especially in seventh yeah, grade. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the hard part about those early breakups was having to go back into school and face... Yeah, I mean, there's no escaping it. Oh, that was tough. <laughs> Plus, I had some well, another... interesting walks down the halls, we'll say. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the other thing is obviously, like, the lack of reasoning behind the breakup right. in those days, yeah. where there's just no rhyme or reason as to why one person says they like another one and then why they all of a sudden don't like the other person. Yeah, well, usually it's because uh, someone better came along or or whatever. different. Yeah. I mean, some people just don't really like the person to begin with, but they just do it because that's what you're doing, and then... Yep. One day you're just like, I don't like you. It was <laughs> it was basically like Bug Juice season one. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, he tries to contact that one, and then he ends up only talking to her mother, who then says that that girl just married that guy that she started making oh, out with instead of which him. Which is pretty stunning. Yeah, you can almost kind of like relate to Rob's like rage whenever her mother is insisting that she married her first boyfriend oh and, and yeah. rob's like well actually no i was her first boyfriend <laughs> instead of just being Having like to oh, set the right. record straight <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it you know like it matters at that point yeah like, you know 25 years later or whatever so then who's number four well that was number one. Oh, we yeah. kind of go in like reverse order or i guess it doesn't I, you would expect it to count down from five to one right well the, a big quote like whenever like me and my f- friends would do like top five lists, you know, like Chaz and Sam yeah. and whoever. <laughs> and we would always have to like put a big like preamble with qualifications oh, and yeah. be like, well, all right, top five, whatever. I have no order. <laughs> 13 honorable mentions. No, it wasn't that. It was more like yeah. the five that you pick weren't, weren't, it wasn't like right. number five was the least and number one was the most. It was just it's like you had to rank. pick, you had to pick yeah. the five and yep. it was just, you know, which in all fairness kind of seems like what they do in the movie yeah. throughout okay. it. They don't really seem to be ranking them within right. the five, just picking five. Yes. Okay. So then the second one was the second one, the girl that he went out with in like high school and was trying to fuck and like when she kept like not letting him. 
Or I was thinking it was like college. touch her boobs and stuff. No, because it's, then whenever he meets with her later, when she's the movie critic, and then they're oh, having yeah. dinner, and she says like I couldn't even have sex in college because oh, she ended up fucking that other guy. That's right. Yeah, and it was like quote right not rape, but it could have been or uh-huh. it almost was or something because she just didn't say no or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it's kind of like guess- this horrible. See, like. <laughs> It's so great, like Rob's, like you know, narcissism, like wrapped up in his own like fucking bullshit. Oh yeah, and he's just so pissed that she went and fucked this other dude. But like, it was this traumatic, horrible, horrible thing for her. for her. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like when she leaves, all upset. He's just like, well, that's great then. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't need to worry about that one. <laughs> Even though, let's be honest, in the flashback and then in the present day with that girl who you know goes on to be this movie critic uh she she was the one that wouldn't let rob like touch her boobs over her shirt or anything and all this stuff and then she ends up he breaks up with her and then she ends up fucking this other dude and he just gets pissed because it's like what the fuck yeah that chick is like unbelievable oh yeah she's like so pretty and it's like why would she ever be dating rob like in the flashback rob is like wearing those ridiculous glasses (laughs) and he's dummy yeah he just looks like such a nerd right (laughs) <laughs> she's like this pretty uh probably like popular although well to do it is kind of fun to watch like yeah the transition because i definitely think most dudes or people can relate to like a time where they dated and they were normal and then never being normal again after a certain time you know like <laughs> A couple of things happen, and you're just like, because it's like that's the thing. He goes from like this nice nerdy dude to like this, I mean, this dark, brooding, like punk denim wearing dude. Well, I would I would argue that the bigger transition and the most relatable one comes post Charlie, which is the next breakup, which right. I guess is like the first post, like serious post high school relationship. Um. Charlie's played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Just looking unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's too much of a stretch to say that, like, from, like, 1998 to 2001, if you ranked, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones as the hottest woman on the planet, that you would be far off. It's a tough (laughs) argument. Yeah, I mean... People were obsessed with her for a few minutes, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was, like... There was that terrible movie she was in with... uh, Sean Connery and Entrapment. <laughs> yeah, and every like how- dude in our age range knows that movie yeah, because yeah. of that scene where she's like wearing like real tight pants and mm-hmm. she like goes underneath the laser and it like is just like a camera shot like right on her butt. I remember it well. And it's like it's not even a nude scene. No. And yet like everybody are in our age range is yeah, who's a guy of, was like obsessed with that scene. She kind of stayed off the radar in that world, huh? Not a lot of nudity out there for her i think if you do some deep dive yeah if you deep dive it i think you can find it she's like you know she wasn't young like when she first got like real big like not that she's like i'm not saying that she's like really old now. yeah calm down you know she wasn't like in her early 20s whenever we all first were introduced she was already probably like 30 true in in, into her 30s and stuff and so it was like kind of a later um surge to popularity she had been around yep but she's kept it going pretty good though (laughs) a real beauty i would say yeah well one of the all times yep so charlie's like the big the hard the big breakup the first like you know serious breakup well and it's like the girl that he thinks that he's dating that he's it's too much for him to handle yeah like he's I've gotten way in over my head here. <laughs> and that's always a tough position to be in from a dude's standpoint. Yeah, I mean, everybody likes to fantasize about what it would be like to be with, you know, the hottest people ever. And then, like, when it's actually happening. Yeah, it's, it's just like, a hell. <laughs> it's like Rob, he can't enjoy it. I mean, yeah, he's always I mean, worried that she's going to leave him for somebody else. Every and then eventually. Move that you do, you have to, like, overanalyze and be, like, careful, not, you know. Okay, when do I play it cool? When do I like try to open up a little bit? I mean, I would recommend keeping that to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, of course, his insecurities is what 
causes them to break up and she goes with Marco who's a guy that she <laughs> works with who's Marco. you know seemingly better than Rob in pretty much every aspect. Yeah. At now, least in Rob's head. And then, of course... Rob using one of his classic moves of calling from a payphone outside the No, he's not even right? calling. He's just yelling oh, at the window. Right. Yeah. It may be my favorite scene from any movie oh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Which might be a clip in this episode, I would think. Hopefully, we can find that. <laughs> Charlie, you fucking bitch. Let's work it out. <laughs> just unbelievable. But her just, like, standing at the window, wrapped in a sheet, looking out at him, and then, like, you know, some... Marco yeah, steps Marco up. Marco just walks up next to her. <laughs> Oof. That is brutal. Of course, it's just a torrential downpour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, in a weird way, it's kind of this meta take on Rob... Or on John Cusack from Say Anything, standing outside of Oh, America. right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's the opposite situation. It's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just a perfect well, scene, is, and it's it hilarious. It's kind of like his character from Say Anything grew up <laughs> and lived in the world and has now been beaten down with his formerly optimistic persona. Yeah. Um, and then his fourth breakup is kind of like the rebound from Charlie, where he ends up with a girl that also is like had a severe breakup right they're able and they kind of like unite in connect, their sadness yeah. and then she betrays it by breaking up with them for somebody else too <laughs> yeah i mean anytime you get into a situation like that it's a limited run i mean the expiration date can't be that far off well yeah i mean i think just like the kind of noteworthy thing of it is just that like you know you start out in the situation kind of but it's one of the characters from fucking say anything too <laughs> yeah. which is funny and his sister's in it too yeah well i mean you know john cusack had a little bit of stroke in yeah. 2000 he was well when i was just looking together. at the wikipedia his name is listed as one of the like screenplay writers too yeah that's pretty cool yeah i think well i think touchstone took this book in like 1995 and then it floated around for a few years and then they they liked what they had with like gross point blank so it's kind of like a lot of the same team oh yeah and then um well i remember because this movie takes place in chicago which i think there's times in my life where i've thought it was new york city right um but i was i I don't know i never thought that okay okay um but well, the book was... takes place in London. Oh, okay. So it's kind of they change everything. Yeah, you know, obviously um, to Americanize it. But when I was in Chicago recently, I was reading that John Cusack like lives in Chicago still and like loves Chicago. Like this is this area, Wicker Park, which is basically like a long stretch of just like bars and hipster and shops and like record shops and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of seems like it would be like an area where this movie takes place. But I don't know. That was just like an interesting bit. Well, yeah, about he took it. he took the book, and while they were working on adapting it, you know, he got into the mind of the character, and he was like, "Yeah, I know the school oh, yeah. that he went to, and I know the record shops that he hung out with, and they all had Rob Dicks and Berries." <laughs> it's funny to say Dick and Berry. Yeah. <laughs> Barry and Dick, they had all three of them working there at, at all these record stores, and he's like, he knew all these places and all these bars oh, yeah. and everything, and it kind of all came together. And I mean, as far as like adaptations go, it's pretty strong. Like it, it's it changes obviously the setting, and I think the main character's name is not even Rob in the book, but it all kind of get makes its way into the film. Um, yeah, and when he reconnects with the last breakup at the post Charlie one, she kind of seems in a similar place in life as Rob. Yeah. And he's like, they're kindred spirits. He thinks that he could probably sleep with her whenever they meet up, but he doesn't. And he just leaves. Um, cause he's still like trying to figure out how to get Laura, back. get Laura back. And Laura's friend played by Joan Cusack. She kind of, inadvertently lets it slip that there's this ian guy in the picture (laughs) what fucking ian guy and so you know through some uh i guess like backtracking through his mind and putting pieces together he's able to figure out that ian was a guy that used to live above in their building yeah in the building like in, in an apartment above where rob and laura lived and then 
that guy's played by Tim Robbins. Yeah. In just, just a bizarre look, look, that role, <laughs> appearance, person, yeah. everything about. I mean, it would make me think like if I was dating a girl and then she broke up with me and went with that guy, I'd be like, well, obviously. I guess I dodged a bullet. Yeah. Here, like, yeah. I obviously didn't know her at right. all. I know. Because <laughs> that seems insane. It is so weird, though. I mean, there is always like. Some familiarity with the dude that's next, but it's like, wh- how did that happen? The neighbor from upstairs? Yeah, I don't know. What well, really, I mean, kind of one of the things that isn't directly addressed in the film is like, when did yeah, these like what, seeds start exactly, getting planted? What what happened here? Yeah. How did this all come about? Because I don't know if I'd ever be able to get over that. <laughs> yeah, and Rob certainly, you know, asks a lot of questions. He needs to know, including like, because their breakup drags out over time, which seems intentional on her part. She never moves out all her stuff at once. She kind of will like drop by and pick stuff up and talk about. Yeah, she acts like she doesn't want Rob to be there, yet she will constantly like let him know in advance that she's going to be doing it at a certain time rather than just show up when she knows he's at the store. Yep. So it's like, well, does she want him to show up? Playing around a little bit. But it's like, did she just move right in with this Ian dude from... Well, apparently, yes, but then she says that she it, she definitely doesn't sleep with him right away. Yeah, which is weird. Although, But that's what I was kind of building up to, because at some point she goes to dinner with Rob, and of course, he just has to ask, like, have you slept with him yet? And she's <laughs> like, well, what... I mean, you can figure it out. We're adults and we live together. I mean, well, no, she says she, that she does, hasn't slept with him. Oh, I at thought first. That, well, okay, yeah. And then eventually she does. Yeah. And then I guess like at some point it seems. But it's like, like if you're Rob, I mean, what amount of denial are you living in? I would be like, I would just. I mean, if you're a dude and you guys break up, you should just know that it's well, he, happened. Well, we do get the scene of him imagining it. Yeah. Which I guess at that point they actually haven't had sex, right? Yet, but well, then you might he, as well prepare he, yourself for it. You know, he makes up for it because he runs out and sleeps with Marie DeSalle. Lisa Bonet. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, by the way, I didn't realize until recently that that was Zoe Kravitz's mom, but she looks exactly like her, so it makes yeah, sense. I don't know how you didn't. Realize that, <laughs> well, I don't know. I didn't really know. I don't really know who she is. <laughs> she was from the Cosby Show. Okay. Well. You weren't allowed to watch that. I didn't. Well, no. <laughs> you weren't allowed yeah. to watch African American programs uh, in your house. Yeah. Well, I had heard some stories <laughs> about what the main character was up to. It always is weird, like how I'll hear. This is like kind of off the beaten path, but like, and totally horrible. But like, I I feel like I've heard multiple times stories about like kids that like I I mean not like my friends or anything necessarily, but like. Wherever they are. Just people that, yeah, whoever they are, I don't know. But, like, you know, just, like, people that I knew or tangentially would know. And then it would always come out that, like, someone or someone's cousin or something, they, like, wouldn't be allowed to watch, like, shows with black people in it. Like, the Cosby show. (laughs) That is weird. Yeah, I don't know. Because their, like, family was, like, so I was certainly allowed to. I just always thought it was kind of boring. I watched, like, a couple episodes. I think we were, like... I I would say even me and I'm older than you was probably like too young yeah to even be interested in it right like it just it it kind of was over by the time I was watching yeah like, I was kinda... more in like the Family Matters era oh yeah definitely watch that yeah but like she was on that and then she was on a show like that was kind of like a a spinoff of that where she played the same character but it was like her in college I think it was like a different world or something yep. like that. I think that's. I mean, I, I mean, could be Zoe way Kravitz off on it. in this season. And then she, of, you know, she was with Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, which I never while. knew that. Yeah, if I had known that, then I would have been able to figure it out. But <laughs> she does. I mean, Zoe Kravitz does look exactly like her. Yeah, smoking hot. Yeah, <laughs> and she plays just like kind of a local musician that's kind of has, I guess, enough success to put be putting out like cds or whatnot yeah and And she strikes up like a flirtation with rob and then they get it going for one night yeah it's always like i guess i was really take though i was like in high school i guess i didn't really understand 
fully the concept of just like a random one night stand because it always it, yeah it always kind of struck me like if that something like that would happen in a movie that that would lead to then further complications down the line but it really doesn't he just yeah. like sleeps with her and then the story just kind of continues with him and laura yeah I still and she's think, out of the narrative basically i really don't think i get it still anyway because i think <laughs> i don't know i think afterwards i'd just be like well don't you want to like hang out and like go get breakfast or something? <laughs> yeah. We could go see a movie. I mean, I know what you mean, yeah. but I guess, you know, they both kind of know. Cause he's like, he's a, like whenever he's leaving and she walks him out to the street or whatever. And he like hugs her and they kind of kiss or whatever. He's like, he's like, uh, I guess I'll call you or something. And she just like laughs. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. And so, he kind of at least has that in his back pocket to like make up for the whole Ian thing, I guess. But, you know, it's never justification, though. It kind of just seems like, well, perfect timing that Laura's dad dies, because that's seemingly the only way back in for Rob at this point. Because, <laughs> it does, you know, she's staying with Ian. He's calling 24-7. Laura's like, I'm sad because my dad died. And Rob's like, I'm not. <laughs> this is my moment. Yeah, it's like that part in Donnie Darko whenever uh, What's-Her-Face comes in and is oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, my mom's missing. I think she was murdered. And then, like, Donnie's <laughs> like, like, come jam- here, jamming his tongue down her throat. <laughs> it's like, shut up. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, your dad's dead. Well, no, to be fair to Rob, he everything Rob does, though, ends up seeming, like, very self-centered. But, like, he does kind of just duck out of the party. Yeah. But, like, he does it in a way where, like, I guess if you were already pissed at him, you could be like, Jesus Christ, Rob, just fucking stay at the party yep. and just the party, you know, the wake or whatever you call that. And then, you know, the party, he just kind of has to make it like, I, you know, I can't handle this, so I'm leaving, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And then he tries to, like, hide in the mud. And then she's just like, she ends up leaving and then they have sex in the car. Mm-hmm. And then she's pretty quickly there after, like, uh yeah i'd like to get back together she's like yeah i'm too tired to not get back together (laughs) (laughs) which is the validation he was looking for um although if only like every girl that ever broke up with if only their dad died yeah (laughs) it can bring people back together for sure um it's that and like the idea of that and then also it's like she breaks up with him and then moves in with this ian guy Lisa's like move relationships as well you know what i mean <laughs> like having a place to live can play a big part well, in what, the moving of I relationships think, okay before we go any further um and i'll take the the blame for this we did kind of gloss over i guess like when he when he like reconnects with charlie in oh. like present day right time because at first he does skip over that he's like i don't think i'm ready for this yeah. and he i think that's when he goes to he goes from the girl that he tried to feel up to the rebound girl. Right. And yep. then eventually he gives Charlie a call and she ends up call she he leaves a message, not even sure if, if it's her machine or what. He just yeah. calls his number. Now Charlie kind of I guess I think we've spoken to this character type in the past, but she's kind of the ultimate what you would refer to as a good time girl. Do <laughs> you think she fits that bill? Oh yeah. You know, she doesn't really seem particularly interested in, like, real human connection I'm sure or you human emotion. often find her at a bar with about eight dudes that she works with. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to this Charlie character, the dinner party she has is not just dudes. I mean, no, there's, no. There's uh, girls right. there, too, but it, it's like you kind of get the feeling that she's not particularly close to these people no. it's just people that she thinks like will seem cool and, and interesting like, and she just is kind of obnoxious she's just like an obnoxious person yes that just talks and talks and talks and <laughs> it doesn't really say anything important and it's just kind of And at like, some point rob is just like oh th- that's right she's the worst person in the world <laughs> yeah i mean something i guess like when you're in your early 20s she sent she seemed very like deep and interesting and, and cool, cool and wild and fun and smart like yeah. she just was able to talk about a lot of different things and i'm not saying that she's not smart but it's kind of this shitty 
superficial. Right. And even though like you owning poetry books, you could, <laughs> you could accuse Rob and his friends of being the same way, but like their passion about these things is real to them. Plus, it's different when you're a loser, dude. That's all you have. <laughs> That's true. All I have are my Blu-rays. Exactly. Um. So now, one thing I'd like to point out about Rob too, from back early in the movie. He's pretty, you would expect him to kind of take the victim role in a lot of this, and he mostly does, but he does point out the real reasons why Laura left him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you he would borrowed $4,000 and has never even paid any of it back. Yeah. He cheated on her when she was pregnant. After she told him she was pregnant, right? No, 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 no. Oh. He didn't know that she was pregnant. When okay. he cheated on her. But then she terminated the pregnancy also when he didn't know that she was pregnant. Right. Gotcha. And then he also admitted to looking around for somebody else. Yeah. Which I can't imagine being in a relationship and having that conversation and then thinking that the relationship was going to just continue. Keep going. That seems insane. Yeah. Even for a movie. That's certainly self-destructive behavior. Well, he does say like that she tricked him into saying that. Basically, by putting it out there that she might be thinking that too, or, or whatever, but not saying it quite in those words. But then, like when he said it, it was you know, or whatever. But yeah, e- even still, like from any perspective, her perspective, his perspective, it's like if this conversation is happening, it just seems like it has to be over at that point. I don't well, know really what you're the doing. Problems for him is like he lives with this one foot in, one foot out thing. Like he's trying to keep. His options open a little bit and not just necessarily with the girl per se, but it just seems like with his life, he's like trying to keep this. It's like the adventure needs to keep going for him. Well, yeah, I think like, um, yeah, the main reason that she seemingly broke up with him was because he wasn't like growing up that he was kind of just the same that he had always been, if not worse, because when they met, he was at least DJing and like getting out there and doing stuff. Now he's just seemingly retreated into this like yeah. shell of a person kind of thing, which I mean, I think she needs to back the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. What's so great about you, Laura? Yes. Yeah, your bangs are terrible. <laughs> Who They're... is this actress, by the way? Yeah. She's like, um, she has a weird name. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's from like uh Sweden or something. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, uh, Danish. So she's from Denmark. I mean, obviously, Catherine Zeta-Jones playing uh, the role she plays works out perfectly. But it is like kind of just a weird thing with the names in this movie. And then you're just like the main chick is like this nobody. <laughs> Eben Hegel. Hij- oh, yes. I don't know. Our favorite segment. <laughs> yeah, me pronouncing foreign names. <laughs> Always a big crowd pleaser. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, like, her bangs look terrible. They don't even look even. I, I don't know what's going on with her hair in this yeah. movie. It's bizarre. But it's not enough of a turnoff for Rob. He keeps coming back. Uh, Yeah, I mean, okay, so after this uh, funeral reconciliation between Rob and Laura, uh, she moves back in. So what do you think that's like? She just goes back to Ian's or Ray's or whatever his name is? Because that's the other thing. Isn't his name like Ian Raymond or something? Well, here's the thing for Ian. It's like, hey, bro, you get what you get. You know? Yeah, that's true. If you I, I've, if you date a girl that's I've in a relationship. I've been the Rob and I've yeah. also been the Ian. Yeah, me too. And, and neither it, are great. Right. <laughs> it, yeah, that's the thing. It, it never works out. It doesn't matter if you were the guy before or the guy after or the guy during. <laughs> It's all bad. Yeah. Um, and but then, that is true. It's like, dude, if if she's in the relationship and you are the dude that like she either comes to while she's still in the relationship or immediately after, I mean, it has to be in the at least the 80th percentile chance that she's going to go back to that other dude. Yeah. Um, and this is when Rob meets that uh, music columnist that he gets like a crush on. Right. He's immediately like, I should make you a mixtape. In the book, um, this is like a more drawn out thing because she's interviewing him for her like music column and she asks him what his 
all-time favorite top five songs are. <laughs> and that, of course, is just a huge point of concern. And oh, yeah. He's call- he keeps calling her back and changing the list. <laughs> and she's just like, what? <laughs> like, what? She's like, this is like a 500-word piece <laughs> in, like, the last page. He's, like, having, he's waking up in, like, a cold sweat, like, <laughs> panic attacks and keeps changing the order. It is a great moment in the movie, though, because it is just, like, all of this, this fight in the you know just self-loathing in this journey to get laura back and then as soon as he's got her he's his his eyes are starting to wander again yeah i mean i think thankfully in the movie this gets cut off pretty quickly yeah and he's just like yeah he's I like can't, I, can't, I can't i gotta get over this shit and so then he just like clumsily proposes to laura and she's yeah. just like yeah okay right. right now this scene has to be relatable for you <laughs> Let's not talk if they replaced that. it with a Wendy's parking lot. <laughs> Five piece crispy nuggets <laughs> in the cup holder. <laughs> Onion ring for a ring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um and then Laura uh puts together this concert where he's gonna like DJ and then like this these two like skateboarder kids who have been robbing championship vinyl who happen to be these musicians who I know, call which, themselves the kinky wizards which again, is so this horrific part is like ridiculous because barry and uh dick <laughs> dick yeah. and barry are just listening to the skater dudes music in the store and they rob comes in and they're all in agreement that this music is like fucking great yeah it's actually a song by some real band the uh royal trucks but rob decides he's going to start a label and pay for them to record like an ep or whatever now this is also there should have been like an added scene where he's asking laura for another four thousand uh, dollars that's the thing it's like your four thousand dollar in debt to your uh now current girlfriend again and it's like well what as long as they're together i mean i would feel no obligation to pay that back <laughs> really and if i feel like if you're not together anymore that's especially justification. If she bro- especially if she broke up with me yeah even more yeah well that's the thing i guess at that point maybe there can be like a discussion okay yes we're getting back together you're moving back in well it's also like you live at my apartment so can't we work that into like i, I feel like at some point we can just call it even right <laughs> Now, $4,000 is a pretty big sum of money to borrow from someone, though. Yeah, it's never really... I think... I can't remember in the book if, it it, if it's made more clear. It had to be to pay clear. for stuff at the store. I don't know what else it could be. Yeah, I think in the book it's made more clear as to what the money's for. In the movie, it's kind of just glossed over as just a random thing. But we, uh, yeah, you would assume to keep the store afloat, but I don't know. Now, the idea of starting a label at this time had to be... I mean, you could start like a little crappy indie label now and you could probably do it for pretty cheap but at this point like it just seemed like all that stuff was way more expensive like paying for studio time yeah like copywriting shit or whatever you do i don't know it's who knows whatever they were what this actually meant right but the kinky wizards are going to release their their ep or single or whatever and then rob's going to dj and then barry who (laughs) despite (laughs) rob's best attempts to not let him play yeah including Barry's offering is gonna him play offering him 110 percent of the gate yeah the door <laughs> yeah to not play yeah and this again like there are certain moments in the book that are just like legitimately laugh out loud funny like right. this is a book that i would actually laugh out loud while yeah. reading because it's able to just kind of like there's a scene where it's rob's birthday and I think like he's not with Laura and I think for some reason like either Barry and Dick are busy or he doesn't want to invite them out so he calls up like these old friends that he hasn't seen in like forever oh. and he goes to like have this move. like birthday dinner or birthday night out with them but he doesn't actually tell most of them that it's his birthday and it's this like this really sad weird night out with like these people that are like really strange i don't know it's really funny and then this part whenever barry's band is about to play like right before they start playing it's also like super hilarious like rob's like reaction when he he hears like the feedback coming from the microphone oh yeah and he fears he's like i feared that was the beginning of their first song (laughs) (laughs) and it was i don't know it's like super funny but of course jack black you know singing 
uh, they do a rendition of Let's Get It On, and it's, of course, pretty good. Right. I mean, it's um, not, like, amazing. No, it's, but it, it's it, just, obviously, he was preparing himself for it to just be horrendous. Yeah, and it's, like, pretty good, because... Obviously, Jack Black has some experience singing. I think um, at the premiere of this movie, Tenacious D played. So, I mean, um, you know, it was a thing even in 2000. <laughs> now, I remember watching this movie with Keith years ago, and we just got such joy out of the band name originally being Sonic Death Monkey. <laughs> but then it's even better. When did they change it? To- <laughs> well, he's like, uh, we're on the verge of becoming Kathleen Turner Overdrive. <laughs> but for tonight, we're Barry Jive in the Uptown Five. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea of we're on the verge of becoming. Now, the other part <laughs> that's so great about Rob and just kind of funny from an outside perspective, not within like the characters of the movie, but uh, when Laura's planning this whole thing for him, she basically like explains to him, like, I think it's so great. Like you, the all time critic is putting something out there. And like then he's basically just reiterating what she said to him to the reporter chick <laughs> as if it was his idea. <laughs> well, I just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm just like this critic and you, I should be real and put something out there. <laughs> just yeah. And of course, of by law like, that he is. Yeah. I mean, this is an event that, of course, he's like not happy about at first and he's like dreading it. And he's like, you know embarrassed that she's like calling it like dance music for old people <laughs> and like all this stuff and blah 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 and he it's kind of like you know it's this like subtle way of like addressing the idea that like rob has kind of stayed in this world because he doesn't really want you know he hadn't wanted to grow up i mean he wanted these things to be his life and you know it was kind of the cause of some of the problems between him and laura and now She's addressing it by just coming out and saying, like, this is a nostalgia thing, and we're calling it dance music for old people because we're old, and this is something we used to do. And, you know, he's, like, embarrassed by that. But, of course, the whole night goes well. It's kind of like the triumphant ending of the film, and they're happily dancing together as yeah. as it ends and everything, and Barry is up there singing. We should point out that Dick starts dating Darlene from Roseanne at some point during the movie. Oh, that's true. Yeah, really. Green. She's a Green Day fan. Big moment for Dick. I mean, <laughs> it is weird, though. I mean, it, we live in an age when it's really hard to date now, but it's like, how were these guys meeting chicks? <laughs> well, it's a movie. Oh, that's true. I mean, Dick just seems like he would be I love when Dick an is awful like, conversationalist is trying to talk to Rob about the what band is he talking it's like the licorice comfits or something <laughs> I mean, it's like what is he talking about and he's like you know because you like their last tape pop girls etc yeah <laughs> the one with Cheryl Ladd on the cover oh yeah that's right you wouldn't have seen the cover because I just made you a tape it's just like oh my god shut up yeah <laughs> it's like I mean I I admit that, like, I am probably, like, parts of all Rob, Barry, and Dick, like, put together. Well, what is the part? Dick takes it to a point sometimes where you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Dick is basically, like, our Twin Peaks episodes of this. (laughs) Dick is, like, the lowest point of my life. And then, like, we all kind of, like, hope that we come off as, like, a Rob, but we're probably more like a Barry. Oh, yeah. Because Barry (laughs) is just, like... What is the scene where he basically just completely shames a customer? Oh, when that older guy comes in to, he wants to Some buy. Some sweet old guy. <laughs> yeah, he wants to buy, um, is it I just called to say I love you or what? Something, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember like what what song it is and they're like laughing him out of the store. And then there's another guy who wants to buy that Captain Beefheart record and then he just refuses to sell it to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the part I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> And he's like... Talking him out of it? Well, he doesn't even talk. He just well, says he won't sell it to yeah. him. It's not for sale. And then he sells it to that other guy right. who they think is cool. <laughs> yeah, just a ridiculous thing, really. I can remember being in uh, Attic Records one time, and somebody came in uh, wanting to buy just Metallica Records for somebody as like a present like uh-huh. to put on display or whatever. And, like, you could just tell he, he, they were like, oh, yeah, we have like a couple, like, they're like reissues and they're like $30 or whatever. He's like, 
really they're that much like like he had no idea really of like this whole world of records like still going on uh-huh. like i think he was he thought he would just be able to walk in and they'd be like old copies of metallica records for like a dollar <laughs> yeah and he was like really he was like okay well i'm good i'm just gonna go but it was just kind of a funny scene to watch happen <laughs> oh yeah i mean i i spent just uncounted hours in attic records oh yeah i, I they witnessed- knew you by name there I witnessed all kinds of scenes. They used to, on Record Store Day, uh, set things aside for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that, like, uh, they got sent, like, that one copy of, like, that Hold Steady. Oh, yeah. Uh, advanced version of, right. um, what was that album called? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. We can, we get together. <laughs> well, that... Heaven is whenever we heaven, get heaven is heaven whenever. is whenever is the yeah. name of the album, right? Right. It was like an advanced. It had like different artwork and everything, and it was like a clear vinyl. It was like yep. there was only a couple hundred of them made, and they got one. And I was just like, "Hey, do you got? Did you guys get that?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, we we got one, and we put it back here." He's like, "Yeah, I I could sell it to you. Yeah, as long as you don't like sell it on eBay, which right. I did immediately." <laughs> <laughs> I know you were like those the dude that like uh, Jack White was like raging against because so many of the people were doing that with like the third man special releases. Yeah, well, I didn't. I unfortunately I didn't get my hands on too many of those, but those were hot sellers on eBay. Yeah, you know the, there was like there was that one before I even really knew what Record Store Day really even was, and it was still like a new thing. I walked into the exchange on McKnight that one time, and they had all their like record store day stuff still like hours into the day because I don't think oh, anybody yeah. knew that the exchange would have them. I can remember you telling me and just I finding that, stuff I stuff pick, late and like selling it for like eighty dollars. Yeah, I picked up that like fish seven inch. Oh, I, that, I don't. Yeah, even, I was, don't like fish. I don't listen to fish. I don't care about it. I but I thinking. saw that it was like numbered. And I was like, it was like six bucks. And I was like, I'm just going to buy this because I think I could probably sell it. So I, then I, yep. I listed it on eBay from the front seat of my car for like $90. <laughs> and it sold <laughs> in like seconds. I can remember. Uh, <laughs> God, the, before like everybody caught on to records today, that was like a huge moneymaker for me. <laughs> I think the only record I ever sold online was uh, Blink-182, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, because... I ordered a copy of it from, I think, like Hot Topic Online or something. And the mailman, like, folded it and put it in the mailbox. <laughs> like, not the the record didn't get folded, but, like, the sleeve did. Oh, yeah. So it was, like, folded from the corner over. So then it had this huge crease in it. And I was like, well, I don't want this. <laughs> so I think I sold it for, like, 13 bucks or something. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. <sighs> yeah, I don't miss those days. Um, yeah, there's some fun to it. But. I actually was... They do that record store day for Black Friday, too. Records and I was are, just like looking through some of them at the exchange when I was there today. And all I was of them just are like, like so expensive now. They really Yeah, I was like, blown away by like just the prices on some... There was like... Everything was like 50 or 40 Oh, I know. It's crazy. It's so dumb. Yep. All right. Well, anything left with High Fidelity? No, it was I like think- a... It definitely was like a culturally significant thing for me. Yeah. Something that worked its way into my personal conversations for many oh, years yeah. still sometimes creeps in and um yeah i mean it, it i think if you're like a of a certain age it's kind of just like you know one of those movies that is part of your uh identity yeah your cultural identity <laughs> absolutely <laughs> whatever yeah. that means yeah i mean certainly when you look at like relatable characters uh from movies Rob has to be right up there. Yeah, unfortunately, also Barry and Dick. Yeah, you know <laughs> when you when you're taking a real hard look in the mirror. And for me, Tim Robbins from like a looks perspective. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Follow the show on Twitter at Creatives Pod. Um. Subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you're telling your friends. Uh, thanks to Lindsay for the request. Yeah, I think it was we enjoyable. might have another uh, female listener pick coming up at some point here. Yeah, real soon. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. And like I said before, I mean, if you haven't figured it out, I mean, the episodes are just gonna get posted when they get posted. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. 
But if you're one do. of those people that refuses to subscribe, I think you need to just subscribe I or the give check us a every second day. gives us like a chance to like sprinkle in some bonus material. Yeah, I mean the original idea with the give us a seconds I think was to do them and then in the same week do a regular episode. Yeah. Like which kind I of think as, we like, mostly do that. Yeah. So I mean I think people need to yeah focus here. Right. Come on, people. <laughs> Our egos are so fragile that if our downloads dip even just a little bit, we it's like a full-blown panic. Just a downward spiral of self-reflection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're calling up ex-girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of mine would even agree to meet with me, which is also I don't know. That is hilarious one thing. about I mean, this movie to me. Well, that is the thing. I make sure those bridges are real crispy. Oh, same <laughs> those, for me, they are too. They're super burned. I Honestly, even if there's not like a huge blow up or anything, I make sure there is eventually. Well, I've mostly <laughs> had that too, but if it's not a huge blow up, I'm still just like, well, what are we doing here? I I don't really see a purpose in maintaining some sort of fake friendship or in my case any friendship. Yeah. Really? Cuz what is <laughs> well, the point? I know, absolutely. But I I just never have felt like, yeah, we need to keep in touch. No, that's 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 not a real thing. Right. I'd say like most people don't have any exes that they really talk to on a regular most basis. Most of the time when I've known like two people that did keep some sort of connection, it's because they would end up like hooking up again. <laughs> Either that or when they were together it was not a very serious or very long yeah. thing. If it was like just like a brief thing maybe, but yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, that'll do it for this one. <laughs> I think. Yeah. No gone, more of this talk, please. It's gone on long enough. Right. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Let me tell you, some folks' love is hard and strong. That's the kind of love that lingers on. Some folks' love is swift and fast. That's the kind of love that'll make. Had a love that was in between And to me it was like a dream We had to stay together till June Had a problem wound up a groom That's why I gotta get you off of my mind I know it's just a matter of time You found Somebody new and all romance is through. Listen to me. Someday this old heart of mine is gonna find a love that'll make me shine. Shine like diamonds and gleam like gold. And I'll find someone that'll rock my soul. I can see now that I'm doomed to die a long, slow, suffocating death. And I try to figure out why. Of course, there's envy. Why isn't my life like this? And sure, I want their money and clothes and jobs and opinions. And I'd like to have advice on jet lag, but that's not it. I mean, they're not bad people, and I'm not a class warrior. It's something else. I never did. I never did. And I was very supportive. And then it dawns on me. It came down to me to tell the truth. Charlie's awful. What was the truth? Yeah.